Chapter One, Part A of Greener Than You Think. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Greener Than You Think by Ward Moore. Neither the vegetation nor the people in this book are entirely fictitious. But, reader, no person pictured here is you. With one exception. You, sir, miss, or madam, whatever your country or station, are Albert Weiner, as I am Albert Weiner. Chapter One Albert Weiner Begins I always knew I should write a book, something to help tired minds lay aside the cares of the day. But I always say you never can tell what's around the corner till you turn it, and everyone has become so accustomed to fantastic occurrences in the last twenty-one years that the inspiring and relaxing novel I used to dream about would be today as unreal as Atlantis. Instead, I find I must write of the things which have happened to me in that time. It all began with the word itself. Grass. Gramina. The family, Graminia grasses. Oh, I responded doubtfully. The picture in my mind was only of a vague area in parks, edged with benches for the idle. Anyway, I was far too resentful to pay strict attention. I had set out in good faith, not for the first time in my career as a salesman, to answer an ad offering fifty dollars or more daily to top producers naturally expecting the searching once-over of an alert sales manager back to the light behind a shiny top desk. When you've handled as many products as I had, an ad like that has the right sound. But the world is full of crackpots, and some of the most pernicious are those who hoodwink unsuspecting canvassers into anticipating a sizzling deal where there is actually only a warm hope. No genuinely high-class proposition ever came from a layout without aggressiveness enough to put on some kind of front, working out of an office, for instance, not an outdated run-down apartment in the wrong part of Hollywood. It's only a temporary drawback, Wiener, which restricts the metamorphizer's efficacy to grasses. The wheeling syllables, coming in a deep voice from the middle-aged woman, emphasized the absurdity of the whole business. The snuffy apartment the unhomelike living room, dust and books its only furniture, the unbelievable kitchen, looking like a pictured warning to housewives, were only guffaws before the final buffoonery of discovering the J.S. Francis, who'd inserted that promising ad to be Josephine Spencer Francis. Wrong location, wrong atmosphere, wrong gender. Now, I'm not the sort of man who would restrict women to a place in the nursery. No, indeed, I believe they are, in some ways, just as capable as I am. If Miss Frances had been one of those well-groomed, efficient ladies who have earned their place in the business world without at the same time sacrificing femininity, I'm sure I would not have suffered such a pang for my lost time and car fare. But well-groomed and feminine were alike inapplicable adjectives, towering above me, she was at least five foot ten, while I am of average height. She strode up and down the kitchen, which apparently was office and laboratory also, waving her arms, speaking too exuberantly the antithesis of moderation and restraint. 
She was an aggregate of cylinders, big and small. Her shapeless legs were columns, with large flat-heeled shoes for their bases, supporting the inverted pediment of great hips. Her too short, grease-spotted skirt was a mighty barrel, and on it was placed the tremendous drum of her torso. A little more work, she rumbled. A few interesting problems solved, and the metamorphizer will change the basic structure of any plant inoculated with it. Large as she was, her face and head were disproportionately big. Her eyes I can only speak of as enormous. I dare say there are some who would have called them beautiful. In moments of intensity they bored into mine, and held them till I felt quite uncomfortable. "'Think of what this discovery means,' she urged me. "'Think of it, Weiner. Plants will be capable of making use of anything within reach. Understand, Weiner, anything. Rocks, quartz, decomposed granite, anything.' She took a gold Victorian toothpick from the pocket of her mannish jacket and used it energetically. I shuddered. "'Unfortunately,' she went on a little indistinctly, Unfortunately, I lack resources for further experiment right now. This, too, I thought despairingly. A slight cash investment, just enough to get production started. How many wishful times I've heard it. I was a salesman, not a sucker. And anyway, I was for the moment, without liquid capital. It will change the face of the world, Wiener. No more used-up areas, no more frantic scrabbling for the few bits of naturally rich ground, no more struggle to get artificial fertilizers to worn-out soil in the face of ignorance and poverty. She thrust out a hand, surprisingly finely and economically molded, barely missing a piled-up heap of dishes crowned by a flower-pot trailing droopy tendrils. Excitedly, she paced the floor, largely taken up by jars and flats of vegetation, some green and flourishing, others gray and sickly, all constricting her movements, as did the stove supporting a glass tank, robbed of the goldfish who should rightfully have gaped against its sides, and containing instead some slimy growth, topped by a bubbling brown scum. I simply couldn't understand how any woman could so far oppose what must have been her natural instinct as to live and work in such a slatternly place. It wasn't just her kitchen which was disordered and dirty. Her person, too, was slovenly and possibly unclean. The lank gray hair swishing about her ears was dark, perhaps from vigor, but more likely from frugality with soap and water. Her massive, heavy-chinned face was untouched by makeup and suggested an equal innocence of other attentions. Fertilizers! Pooh! Expedience, Wiener! Miserable, makeshift expedience! Her unavoidable eyes bit into mine. What is a fertilizer? A tidbit, a pap, a lollipop! Indians use fish, Chinese night soil, agricultural chemists concoct tasty tonics of nitrogen and potash, Where's your progress? Putting a mechanical whip on a buggy instead of inventing an internal combustion engine. I've gone directly to the heart of the matter. Like Watt. Like Maxwell. Like Elmroth Wright. No use being held back because you've only got poor materials to work with. Leap ahead with imagination. Change the plant itself, Wiener. Change the plant itself. 
It was no longer politeness which held me. If I could have freed myself from her eyes, I would have escaped thankfully. Nourish him on anything, she shouted, rubbing the round end of the toothpick vigorously into her ear. So a barren waste, a worthless slag heap with life-giving corn or wheat. Inoculate the plants with a metamorphizer, and you have a crop fatter than Iowa's or the Ukraine's best. The whole world will teem with abundance. Perhaps. But what was the sales angle? Where did I come in? I didn't know a dandelion from a toadstool and was quite content to keep my distance from nature. Had she inserted the ad merely to lure a listener? Her whole procedure was irregular. Not a word about territories and commissions. If I could bring her to the point of mentioning the necessary investment, maybe I could get away gracefully. You said you were stuck, I prompted, resolved to get the painful interview over with. Stuck? Stuck. Oh, money to perfect the metamorphizer. Luckily, it will do it itself. I don't catch. Look about you. What do you see? I glanced around and started to say, a measuring glass and a dirty plate next to half a cold fried egg, but she stopped me with a sweep of her arm, which came dangerously close to the flasks and retorts, all holding dirty colored liquids, which cluttered the sink. No, no, I mean outside. I couldn't see outside, because instead of a window, I was facing a sickly leaf unaccountably preserved in a jar of alcohol. I said nothing. Metaphorically, of course. Wheat fields, acres and acres of wheat, bread, wheat, a grass, and cornfields. Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, not a state in the Union without corn. Milo, oats, sorghum, rye, all grasses. And the metamorphizer will work on all of them. I'm always a man with an open mind. She might, it was just possible, she might have something after all. But could I work with her? Go out in the sticks and talk to farmers? Learn to sit on fence rails and whittle, asking after crops as if they were of interest to me? No, no, it was fantastic, out of the question. A different, more practical setup now. At least there would have been no lack of prospects if you wanted to go miles from civilization to find them. No answers like, we never read magazines, thank you. Of course, it was hardly believable a woman without interest in keeping herself presentable could invent any such fabulous product, but there was a bare chance of making a few sales just on the idea. The idea. It suddenly struck me she had the whole thing backwards. Grasses, she said, and went on about wheat and corn and going out to the rubes. Southern California was dotted with lawns, wasn't it? Why rush around to the hinterland when there was a big territory next door? And, undoubtedly, a better one. Revive your old, tired lawn, I improvised. No manures, fuss, cuss, or muss. One shot of the meta... Uh, one shot of Francis's amazing discovery, and your lawn springs to new life. Lawns, nonsense, she snorted, rudely, I thought. Do you think I've spent years in order to satisfy suburban vanity? Lawns, indeed. Lawns, indeed, Miss Francis, I retorted with some spirit. I'm a salesman, and I know something about marketing a product. Yours should be sold to householders for their lawns.
should it? Well, I say it shouldn't. Listen to me. There are two ways of making a discovery. One is to cut off a cat's hind leg. The discovery is then made that a cat with one leg cut off has three legs. Ha! The other way is to find out your need and then search for a method of filling it. My work is with plants. I don't take a daisy and see if I can make it produce a red and black petaled monstrosity. If I did, I'd be a fashionable horticulturist, delighted to encourage imbeciles to grow grass in a desert. My method is the second one. I want no more backward countries, no more famines in India or China, no more dust bowls, no more wars, depressions, hungry children. For this, I produce the metamorphizer, to make not two blades of grass grow where one sprouted before, but whole fields flourish where only rocks and sand piles lay. No, Wiener, it won't do. I can't trade in my vision as a down payment on a means to encourage a waste of ground, seed, and water. You may think I lost such rights when I thought up the name metamorphizer to appeal on the popular level, but there's a difference. That was a clincher. Anyone who believed Metamorphizer had sales appeal just wasn't all there. But why should I disillusion her and wound her pride? Down underneath her rough exterior, I suppose she could be as sensitive as I. And I hope I am not without chivalry. I said nothing, but of course her interdiction of the only possibility killed any weakening inclination. And yet, yet, after all, I had to have something. All right, Wiener, this pump. She produced miraculously from the jumble an unwieldy engine dragging a long and tangling tail of hose behind it, the end lost among mementos of unfinished meals. This pump is full of the metamorphizer, enough to inoculate a hundred and fifty acres when added in proper proportion to the irrigating water. I have a table worked out to show you about that. The tank holds five gallons. Get fifty dollars a gallon a dollar and a half an acre, and keep ten percent for yourself. Be sure to return the pump every night. I had to say for her that when she got down to business she didn't waste any words. Perhaps this contrasting directness so startled me I was roped in before I could refuse. On the other hand, of course, I would be helping out someone who needed my assistance badly, since she couldn't, with all the obvious factors against her, be having a very easy time. Sometimes it is advisable to temper business judgment with kindness. Her first offer was ridiculous in its assumption that a salesman's talent, skill, and effort were worth only a miserable ten percent, as though I were a literary agent with something a cinch to sell. I began to feel more at home as we ironed out the details, and I brought the knowledge acquired with much hard work and painful experience into the bargaining. Fifty percent I wanted, and fifty percent I finally got by demanding seventy-five. She became as interested in the contest as she had been before in benefits to humanity, and I perceived a keen mind under all her eccentricity. I can't truthfully say I got to like her, but I reconciled myself and eventually was on my way with the pump, a trifling weight to Miss Frances, judging by the way she handled it, but uncomfortably heavy to me, strapped to my back, and ten feet of recalcitrant hose coiled around my shoulder. 
she turned her imperious eyes on me again and repeated for the fourth or fifth time the instructions for applying as though i were less intelligent than she i went out through the barren living-room and took a backward glance at the scaling stucco walls of the apartment house shaking my head it was a queer place for Albert Weiner, the crackerjack salesman who had once led his team in a national contest to put over a three-piece aluminum deal to be working out of. And for a woman. And for such a woman. End of chapter one, part A.